Welcome to Talk to Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are so pleased to have with us today to begin our show uh, a doctor uh, who was the president of the medical staff at Cooley Dickinson Hospital, an ER doc, and is the founder of Faces of Medicine. Comma uh, Ennis, Dr. Ennis, thank you so much for being with us. Faces of Medicine. It's the name of an organization, but more particularly, the reason we so much wanted you here today is because we want you to share with us the film that is being shown at Bombex this week of the same title, Faces of Medicine. What's the organization and what is this story that is shown in this film and will be shown at Bombex this Thursday? Well, first, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited for this opportunity. And Faces of Medicine is, is a project to share the stories of black female physicians. Um, at this point in the US, we're only 2.8% of physicians, which is a gross underrepresentation compared with you know, where we are in the country. And so what Faces of Medicine is doing is sharing the stories of black female physicians from a variety of different backgrounds with the hope of you know, inspiring kids who may not have ever seen a doctor who looks like them to come into the field and in that way, in the long game, uh, improve health equity outcomes because things only get better when teams are diverse and represent the communities they serve. Well, in that regard, a fact that shocked me, I mean, it shouldn't have shocked me, but it did, was that the outcomes for uh, women who deliver um, when they have, when they are women of color and they have a woman of color physician, the outcomes are enormously better, which theoretically shouldn't, the color or the race or the ethnicity shouldn't make a difference, I would guess, but it does. Why? It shouldn't make a difference at all. But, you know, when you look at, you know, the and, and to, to add on to the, the stat that you just mentioned, Black women are three to four times more likely to die than white women uh, in the context of childbirth. And education does not correct for that. So as a black female physician, I'm still more likely to die as a result of maternal mortality than a white woman who's only finished high school in this country. Um, and the same is true in terms of infant mortality. Black children, black babies are two or three times more likely to die than white infants in the first year, and that disparity drops in half if the pediatrician is black. And that is multifactorial. That's not saying that non-black doctors are trying to kill black people. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a lot of bias and implicit bias that goes in, that is baked into healthcare. There are um, protocols that bake in the likelihood of worst outcomes for black women and black people in general. And there's a trust issue. You know, given the history of medicine in this country, there are lots of good reasons for black folks to have some degree of distrust in in some of our healthcare providers and we need to be able to overcome that both with educating the folks who are here already and also diversifying the field so there's, there's just more contact and there's more opportunity to build those bridges now dr ennis the name of your organization is faces of medicine the name of this film being shown is a 50-minute film at Bombex this Thursday at 7.30 is Faces of Medicine. And I take it that the name of the organization and the title of the film is very intentional 
Can you tell us more about what went into the film, what it's about, and why that title matters? Sure. I think that, you know, the default image that, pop, that pops into a lot of folks' heads when they think of what is a doctor, you know, you're going to go see your doctor. It's not somebody that looks like me. I am a Black woman, <laughs> Jamaican immigrant with locks halfway down my back. I am not the image of what people think of, and I want to change that. I want to expand what people anticipate when they think about who their physician is going to be. So this is both for people who have not, people who I'm trying to inspire to get into the field and also for people who are just in the general public to just have a different expectation of their physicians because we, we're not as many as we should be, but we're out here. And the challenges that we sometimes encounter when patients don't expect to see a black woman as their physician can chip away at someone's ability to stay in that space for, for the long haul. Um, Cause it eats away, it eats away. So tell us what the film shows, what it depicts. It, is it a story? Is it a narrative? Is it a documentary? What is it? So this is a documentary and what I'm trying to do is sh we're sharing the stories. This particular episode shares the story of Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, who was the first black woman to earn an MD in the US and that happened in 1864. And it also shares the stories of four uh, current black female physicians, um, not their academic pedigrees, because that can be intimidating and it's not necessarily helpful to inspire people to get into it. But it's, you know, how did they get inspired to go into medicine? Who helped them? Who hurt them? How do they, how do they hold on as they're going through, which is, a, a, you know, a profession that's not, not an easy one to get into and not an easy one to stay into sometimes. So I really want to humanize us and make it seem much more attainable. I want to disrupt the, the hierarchy that can sometimes, a false hierarchy, I think, when people think of like, you know, a doctor, it's this lofty thing out there, it's completely out of reach, and it's not. There are people who have, you know, been the first college graduate in their family, and they're called Dr. So-and-so. There are people who have experienced homelessness, and they're called Dr. So-and-so. So I want to break down some of those barriers that people might, uh, might use to, to get off track. So the women who are the protagonists in this story, in this documentary, are these real sheroes? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, this particular episode features uh, Dr. Thea James, who was the first black female physician I ever met um, when I was 25 and starting my last year of medical school. And it features Dr. Lynette Watkins, a local name, uh, president and COO of Cooley, uh, Dr. Rose Cesar, who was a gastroenterologist and uh, Franklin Medical Center and has been the only black female doctor at that hospital most of the time that she has been employed there. And also Dr. Val Stone, who is out at, in Boston and works in HIV and AIDS um, and does incredible work there, was one of the pioneers in that space. So Dr. Ennis, we have been joined by Professor Amilcar Shabazz, who is the host of our Black in the Valley segment. Uh, which we normally have on Mondays, but this is a special edition of Black in the Valley. So, uh, Professor Shabazz, do you care to pose a question or make a comment with regard to what we've been talking to Dr. Ennis so, about? So glad that uh, that Queen Nana, Dr. Kama Ennis, able to join us. I just was wondering if she would tell us a little bit about her own background. She's mentioned a Jamaican immigrant. If she could just share a little bit of her own uh, background with this? Sure. Um, I mean, part of what started this project was I wanted to, when I was shifting gears in terms of where I was working, I wanted to um, replace myself at the hospital, essentially, because at that time I was, one, I was one of two Black doctors 
working at the hospital. And when one leaves and you, when you reduce a, a population by 50% when one person leaves, then there's an issue. It's different now, I'm happy to say, but when I thought about it, I was like, well, let me just tell my story. And I realized that my story is not representative of everybody, but I was, I was a toddler when my family came to the US. Um, my parents you know, went to night school all through my childhood. So we pretty much graduated at the same time. But I came out, you know, I almost came out of the gate, you know, in second or third grade. And I was like, I think I want to be a doctor. And my parents said, okay. They didn't know what the, <laughs> they didn't know the, the stats. They didn't know the pretty low likelihood of success, but they didn't stop me or get in my way. They just said, okay, work hard at school. And like, I didn't have doctors in my family. I didn't have an illness. I just had tunnel vision, quite honestly. And I, I, I count myself as fortunate that aside from some unpleasant experiences in elementary school, nobody tried to throw me off track. And I'm thankful that I had people who were able to have my back in elementary school when people did try to, to push me down. Um, but I came up and I was able to, you know, with the help of my family, go straight to college and med school and residency and then come out here at the end of that. But, you know, my mom is one of 11 kids. My dad is one of 12. My parents grew up without plumbing, right? This is not, <laughs> my story is what, not What one. part of Jamaica? What part of Jamaica? So my mother grew up in St. Elizabeth in a tiny town called Junction. Um, and my father grew up in Grange Hill in Westmoreland. Wow. So we, you know, this is, this is when I, when I went to visit my parents, my, my grandparents as a kid, um, you know, we would get out to the top of the hill, dirt rolled full of potholes. And if I had to use the bathroom at night, I would use the bedpan because I didn't want to go to the outhouse. So you had to take the little kerosene lantern out to the outhouse and I didn't want to do it because of bugs. So this is my childhood. But I grew up, you know, I grew up in a Philadelphia suburb. So I had the experience of seeing all of those things and knowing where one can come from and where one can get. And I just wanted to you know, break down some of those barriers for everybody else. And you never, um, so you don't know if you have any uh, roots with the Maroons. I called you Queen Nana, but uh, do you know if you have any ties to the Maroons? Not that I know of, not that I know of. We're pretty much, I know, it'd be nice. I'd be, I'd love to claim that. <laughs> Queen, Nana, Queen Nana was a medicine woman, no doubt, but um, but this is beautiful. And the, um, in, in terms of the next episodes, is there any teaser, anything you can tell us? So I can tell you that we're working on the next episode and just to be just to be shameless about this, this entire project has been donor funded. So if anybody wants to help support the creation of the next three episodes, please feel free to go to facesofmedicine.org um, to, to contribute. You'd also be able to find links to attend any of the screenings coming up. And I do wanna give one uh, one note of appreciation to our sponsors at Tommy Carr Auto Group, Greenfield Savings Bank, Greenfield Cooperative Bank, and the Cancer Connection, as well as um, the Northampton Arts Council and uh, Mass Cultural Council for supporting these screenings coming up. And so the timeline is completely depending on resources. And so if we have those resources, I will get them out. I'd love to have the second episode out by the end of the summer. Those resources are coming. No, those resources are coming. I know it. Thank you. Faces of Medicine, <laughs> Faces of Medicine will be shown at Bombex uh, this 1st of February. It's Thursday at 7.30 at the Lava Center in Greenfield, February 16th at 7 o'clock, and Holyoke Media uh, March 1st as well. 
I have a final question for you because that's what we need of time for, but I can't wait to have you back on the show, Dr. Ennis. I really want to hear more about your story, which sounds amazing. And I really want to know this. How are we so lucky to have you in Western Massachusetts? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, I was finishing residency in Boston in 2006. So being a kid that had been on this four-year cycle, the third year, I was like, where am I going to go next? I can't afford to live in Boston. I got too many loans to pay back to, to pay rent here and, <laughs> and pay my loans. And so I wanted to find a place that had, um, that had honestly, I'm going to be playing about Trader Joe's Thai food and sushi, where I could get to New York in, in a quick bit, <laughs> where uh, I wouldn't have to endure one more day of cold than I had already proven I could do in Boston, and that my husband at the time could tolerate as well. And we came out here and looked around. I wasn't the only chocolate chip in the cookie, and figured I could do this. I met one daughter remotely, but is it, do you just have the one, or, or it's the two? I have two daughters. I have a ninth yeah. grader and a seventh grader. I met I one. She it. was advocating like mom. She was advocating for what she believed <laughs> in a town council <laughs> yes. meeting. Yes, yes, absolutely. They are fierce <laughs> little girls. I love them. We have been speaking with Dr. Kama Ennis. Her movie, uh, Faces of Medicine, will be at Bombex this Thursday, February 1st at 7.30. We really hope you will enjoy this film and be a supporter of Faces of Medicine. Dr. Ennis, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Amilka Shabazz, for bringing the doctor on our show, and we look forward to having you both on again really soon. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 